Welcome, and thank you for tuning into Organon, the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data, insights, and change. According to a study by sociologist Andrew Zakari, oral communication skills were the number one skill college graduates found useful in the business world. Nonetheless, there are many other surveys out there that confirm that public speaking, and not many other things, including death, is one of people's biggest fears. An article published in the Washington Post illustrated that fear of public speaking is America's biggest phobia, uh, which represents approximately 25% of those who took the survey. Other fears included fear of clowns at 7.6%, ghosts 7.3%, and zombies 8.9%. If it is the case that public speaking skills are so invaluable, why are people so afraid? How can we overcome these fears to improve this crucial and scarce skill? Present today to discuss this topic from New York City, we have myself, Carl Letamendi. And Jasmine Letamendi. And recording from Los Angeles, we have... Hey there, Casey Shop. And Courtney Hirose. Jasmine, take it away. So given that we are in a rapid global world that everything is happening we have um local cultures we have um world views people with different knowledge and skills what i've noticed in higher ed is that one of the first entry level curriculums is public speaking i'm interested to know how many of you in college took a public speaking class I, I didn't take one. Sorry. Me either. I did. So I you did? Okay. <laughs> so did I. I took one too in, in college. Um, and many universities now across the U.S. are putting, you know, making sure that this is part of like an essential knowledge that college graduates are successful in order to demonstrate and talk to an audience and show that they feel confident because at the end of the day, um, there is a social phobia. People are more, you know, nervous about standing up in front of a crowd and persuading them or make, or just doing um, a structured speech because of what people are going to be judged on, um, if it's in front of colleagues. And so it is so important now that, you know, these fears that are associated with the social phobia um, you know, we work to resolve them because at the end of the day, our generation now needs to be able to sell themselves in a job interview, to go out to society. And if they have, you know, they're doing advocacy work, biz- they're in the business world, they need to be able to communicate clearly. Uh, if it's either a clear message persuasion, entertaining, like whatever the structure of the conversation is, like that is so important because at the end of the day, if they're not prepared, there's going to be other generation of students that are and are going to make it out there. So these, there's a lot of things that you could do. Um, there's courses in Coursera where you get an understanding of, of public speaking and there, there's these are professors from national universities that work together to build a curriculum. And one in particular that I found was with the University of Washington. So 
This is a, a course that you could take with Coursera. It's called the Dynamic Public Speaking Specialization. And there's like four courses. There's a beginner level. Um, but these are courses that you don't have to, you know, spend money. You just take your time and you do these courses on your own. Like, for example, with Coursera. There's also Toastmasters, which is a national um, an international organization that has chapters of clubs all over the, the world and in all cities that you can visit and also help to develop your public speaking, uh, which is very important. So there's a lot of different opportunities that you could do to still make sure that you can work um, on developing and enhancing these skills because like myself, I am a lifelong learner. And for me, I know that it's important to be able to go into a room and be able to speak and prepare my speech and what I'm going to say to my audience. If you, if I'm persuading uh, a budgetary manager on why we need funding for these, for, for these programs that we're running to support our students, I need to be very clear on my messaging. I need to also speak the numbers and understand like where they're coming from so that I could persuade the budget office to, a lot for more money because how are we going to run our programs? How are we going to make our students successful? So these are these are important skills that um, I believe public speaking is an essential skill. So I'm interested to know um, from you all, what do you feel are some some areas or some if you haven't looked into like to help you be successful in public speaking? What are some useful tips or some of your fears that you might want to share with the audience? I would say, um, let's go with Courtney. <laughs> um, so since I work in advertising, we have to do a lot of like presentations and speech and stuff like that. So it really, I personally don't like public speaking, but I have to be okay with it. And it's really about just finding your style, what works best for you. Because we have some freaking awesome people who advertise within our agency who are really good at engaging and the enthusiasm and like bringing people in. And if you listen to the podcast and generally speaking, I'm not like super bouncy all the time. So my style is more of engaging with more of stats and statistics and really getting people engaged because I care about their business. And that's kind of what's resonating throughout kind of how I talk. So I think it's really the main rule for all presentations is really tailoring it towards your audience and not tailoring it towards what like you feel like would be good. You have to really change your narrative based on who you're talking to. So every time I talk to my team, it's like, okay, you have three different people in the room. You're hitting one of them. If you're missing the two others, you're not going to sell this through and you're going to lose this presentation. So it's kind of like a game of how to tailor each of your kind of like snippets towards how the audience is thinking. And I think that helps a lot when you try to put yourselves in the other person's shoes and instead of just trying to do something to do something. Because I feel like people get scared and they just try to do the bare minimum because they want to get it over with. But then at the end of the day, if you do that, no one's really going to listen and you've wasted all of that time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that's part of um, getting organized, making sure that you understand who your audience is so you can prepare and to make sure that there's a better focus, too, on the message that you're trying to let your, your folks know. What about mm -hmm. Casey? Um, this is going to be so counterintuitive. But, you know, like for me, I just pray they do my best and give myself permission to fail. And know that, you know, 
I just do my best, and if they can, if I don't do well that day, I'll do better next day. So um, what I do, what I found most effective is just observing how other people present, and then seeing if if their styles, uh, if I could replicate their style. But um, I just you know I finally like I'm the worst. I'm the one that cuss like I'm the, my worst enemy in some extent when I do things. So if I'm too stressed out or if I'm thinking too much what other people think I should say or do, I get you know, tongue-tied and not very effective. So um, recently, I just like, F it. I'm just going to do me, and that's all I can do, and that's good enough. I feel <laughs> like that's what everyone should do before the presentations to help calm you down because you do all the prep work, and then at that point, you're kind of like, there's literally nothing else I can do. I just have to go in that room, and I have to talk, and if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good, and whatever happens, it happens, but it's because of all the prep work that I'm sure you do, Casey, too on like the front end so then you can feel like you can do that but you can't do that without preparing because then that's just leading you to probably an unsuccessful situation yeah absolutely and you know what doing this podcast really helps me a lot with articulating you know in conversations okay i've noticed um a dramatic change in myself in the way when i present it's i'm, I'm a lot slower i'm more articulate um i you know, I sound better, at least in my head. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Carl? For me, I took public speaking when I was an undergrad. It was part of the business curriculum. It wasn't an elective or anything like that, so I had to take it. And for me, I tend to really enjoy public speaking, but not in a life coach kind of way. Because we know those type of people that they get in front of a crowd and they can rowdy people up and you might want to hire them for the Super Bowl because they're you know, pretty good entertainers and they can talk to talk and woo people. But for me, I really like preparing presentations or slides, um, also explaining things, describing what happened and making sure that I capture people's attention and that I try to do it in a way that is uh, kind of funny as well so that I can capture people's attention. I really try to make sure that I do that every time that I give a presentation. And also when I was an undergrad, I was exposed to this organization called Toastmasters, which I think has been extremely helpful they have um, branches all over the U.S. and they meet regularly. Some clubs meet like monthly, every other week or weekly. And it's a good opportunity to uh, practice what is known as the elevator pitches. And it's something that I do uh, regularly still. And I think it's very, um, I, I think it's been pretty helpful, because, especially when you when you speak multiple languages. I think it to some extent it's also a limitation because when you're younger it's like your language bucket is fuller so it might take a little longer for you to pick up certain words or to say things in a certain way or I don't know we might say things backwards because in Spanish it's one way and in English it's another way um, so I think it, it was very helpful and I get good feedback every time I give presentations, so I think I'm I'm doing pretty okay. But I'm not really um, like the salesman kind of 
person or the life coach. Um, and I'm actually, you know, not not to disrespect any life coaches out there, but whenever I see them, I'm like, you know, they're very good public speakers, but I'm not sure, you know, that a lot of them actually, um, you know, follow their own Bibles. You know what I mean? But I think uh, it's interesting to know that so many people are petrified of public speaking altogether. And I think it stems from this innate fear of being ostracized or being rejected by people. So I think that fear manifests by people being scared of talking in public to the extent that even in small group settings, when um, when people go around and they're like, oh, you know, introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Some people get really scared and their heart rate increases like mm-hmm. significantly because they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to speak. And then you rehearse the words over and over again. And then finally, when they get to you, you say your name and what you do. And then when uh, the next person goes, you're like, oh, crap, I didn't say half of what I was planning on saying. Yeah, I, I heard actually heard an interesting theory about that. Like people are scared to do that because when they're raised or when we're all kind of raised as children around here, like discipline and stuff where you're not supposed to be challenging like authority to a certain degree or you have to follow the rules in school where it's rude to interject or like out like say things and you kind of get punished for it. So you're really trained from a young age to not like speak out so then you kind of get scared because you need to be like 100% perfect all the time and I thought it was just an interesting thought from like a raising of children perspective to where we are today Mm -hmm. that's true because then they're like conditioned in a sense to be be respectful be polite because mm-hmm. there's always that joke when like kids go why and they say why like a gajillion times and eventually the parents are like no just shut up and then or not maybe in a nicer way but then that <laughs> kind of stunts some of the the like the questioning and being able to consistently talk because then like oh okay well then I know I was joking but at the same time my parents think it's annoying after a while so then you kind of just slowly wean your way off of it because mm-hmm. I think as a kid you would eventually stop anyway so I think it it's hard because to me that would be extremely annoying but also on the other end to encourage your child to kind of continually question what's going on and being able to like try to think outside of the box to answer those questions even when it gets to kind of the remedial stage of it because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then they get anxiety too because now they're being challenged in a new like a, there's like a, a new philosophy of looking at things and you're like oh now I'm now I'm supposed to talk in front of people Mm-hmm. And that's when people are there since because there if there isn't no tr- if there's not enough training or support then you just kind of put in these impromptu situations and that's why um, for a lot of now once students finish high school like if they start college or any business curriculum the public speaking is part is built into that to help um, navigate that and make sure that. That's something that they're learning and it's part of like their their curriculum. Yeah, I think for presentation, like presentations just for like what I've seen is you really don't get good at it unless you practice and you put yourself in that situation. You can't that it's not one of those things where you can read a book and just be naturally good at it. It kind of just comes with repetition, at least I feel like to me. Because I've seen my team grow from maybe someone who's really soft-spoken to being, like, really the commander of the room. And it just comes from repetition. 
you just really need to create those situations for individuals to practice that. So you would start maybe with just internally and then you go like client facing or something like that. But it really helps when you're kind of just in it and then you get used to that kind of fear and just that stress. And then it kind of just turns into something that you're just okay with doing. You don't have to love it, but you can at least like get by doing it to a certain degree. Mm hmm. Yeah, and especially like you touched on an important piece, which is like teamwork, because putting together like a presentation to then sell a product or talk about a product or the influence of a product or an analysis of, you know, anything related to to your work where you have like numerical data is so important. And then how people work together, because even in school, you're you learn at an early age to work together. But now to put together like this presentation and this whole thing together, it's like you, these are skills that you still need to make sure that they align with like your purpose and your goal with what you want to do. I think one of the big things too is when I was learning is not everyone is great at it, that you can't be that bad. And I think a lot of people are just harder on themselves because I've been in meetings where there's been like, the higher up people who are saying, um, every other word, but they're still, they're still at that level. And if they're able to get to that level, then maybe who's not <laughs> using filler words should be kind of okay. And then you humanize the other people around you. And then you realize like people are realize people are people and you're just having really a conversation where you're just trying to persuade them to a certain degree. And then it takes a big weight off of you because then you realize not everyone is those like Toastmaster people who are really good at public speaking, that it's a special skill that not everyone has that I feel like helps you also from a confidence perspective because it's one of those things where confidence is key. I feel like people believe people who are confident, even if maybe what you're saying is wrong. If, you, if you're standing mm -hmm. your ground or you're at least personal with them, people are more likely to listen to you versus if you're kind of like you look scared and hesitant and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think overall, public speaking is pretty helpful, especially when you're doing interviews, I think, because if you have one candidate who speaks very well and doesn't use filler words, whereas another one who is more skilled, more qualified for the position, and they have a hard time expressing themselves or they answer the interview questions incorrectly, it's like they're going to be dinged a lot of points when it comes to their their performance so i think having exercising that muscle of speaking to random people often i think is is very helpful in the professional life and then also it might it can trickle over into your personal life as well because a lot of people are very shy to speak to other people and interestingly now with our dating apps for example now you don't even have to talk to the person before you see them in the past, it might have been you walking up to somebody at a bar and talking to them. But now you find their picture and then you text them and then you talk to them. So it's kind of like you're working up to that that moment slowly as opposed to um, developing confidence to just go up to somebody at a bar or wherever and speak to them. I think a lot of people are also scared to just go up and talk to people. Yeah, you, I think um, you guys won't believe this, but as we we're chatting, um, I found I came across this interesting article on the psychology today, um, and it says how how we talk and listen impacts the relationships. Isn't that interesting? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what they're saying is that um, it's basically the psychologist uh, named Deborah Tennant. She's actually a linguist. Linguistic? Am I saying it right? She's a, ling- a linguist? Linguist, that's it. From uh, Georgetown University. And what she says is that um, uh, our conversation style impacts the way people um, judge us and how we approach the world. And she basically says that, you know, gender, culture, ethnicity, class, and geographic regions results in different assumptions about how we say and mean things. So, like she was saying how um, men, when women, when they say they love you, like, they're about expressive verbal expression, but for men, it's more like loving is and uh, the act of doing rather than saying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and she's saying that like some culture, we being direct is desired, while other cultures not so desired. So in American, like when you're mad, so when you're like I'm mad at you or I'm angry, you you, you tell your emotion, right? But in other cultures like Asian cultures or um, Middle Eastern culture, you don't say that. You kind of do it indirectly. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense, too, because then there's like cultural competencies that people have and like also social like norms and values. So they might not want to they, they might not they are like conflict avoiders in a sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. also the idea of being silenced. Um, what do you guys think about, I think it's really not the fear of public speaking that people are afraid of. I think people are afraid of the silences that's in between. I think it's both. Because I yeah, feel I like people it's... get scared before they mm-hmm. have to talk in front of a large people because they don't want to be judged. But I think no one likes the silence. That's why I freaking love the silence because it means you can win so easily when you're talking <laughs> to someone. <laughs> that's, just, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of folks now, too, have um, excessive anxiety. So when they're, you know, just to be thrown off, like impromptu, just going, like telling them, like, I want you to present tomorrow to the board of trustees on this. And you're like, okay, I have uh, 12 hours to prepare my speech, to prepare this, to do this. And then what is the purpose of this meeting again? <laughs> so it it could create a lot of excessive anxiety for a lot of folks, depending on if it's in the workplace or if they're also freelance and they're, you know, they're, they're working on different things and they have contracts with different people. Um, Uh So it's, it's, um, you know, it's just, and, and the fears that people have too, it's just like, it could be that they're talking too much or that they sound foolish. Um, How many of you have seen like, um, those little memes where they show people like trembling and shaking because they're like <laughs> so that's like that's another fear too like maybe your arm starts twitching and you have no idea that this was about to happen so I think it's like one of the the secrets to all of this is just role playing like it's important to role play like record yourself um, you know you have your phone you have your computers record yourself talking Look at your, you know, look at certain the certain things that you say, and then see like if your message is being portrayed. Now that you could hear yourself, that's one of the best ways to to prepare. Huh. Yeah, that's a good advice. Um. Yeah, I I I like the idea of the role playing because it's it's like it actually helps with the practice. Um, 
And when it comes to important meetings like that, I, I do that sometimes. But I hate recording myself only because I don't like the way I hear on the audio. <laughs> I don't think anybody like, likes Yeah, the Carl doesn't like it either. I tell him, I'm like, let me record you. He's like, no, don't record me. <laughs> <laughs> Not for recording. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, so, all right. Well, we're currently at the 24-minute mark in the episode. Uh, do you guys want to move on to the bottom line? Let's do yes. it. Yes, sir. All right, great. So as per tradition, let's play rock, paper, scissor to see who gets the bottom line question. Ready, rock, paper, scissor, shoot. Ooh. <laughs> Two so scissors. Oh. It's usually, Two scissors and paper. It's usually tough when we, we each get <laughs> one of each. It's like who. Because I want to crush the rock. <laughs> you know, that, that when, when, when that happens, it confirms that rock, paper, scissor is a two-player game. <laughs> all right uh, does anybody want to take it any burning desire to ask the bottom line question related to uh, public speaking i can ask it um so if you had one sentence or one piece of advice to someone who is scared to death of a presentation they have to do tomorrow what would it be uh we can start with jasmine since she was the one who took it away. <laughs> so the first step, if they have a presentation the next day, they really need to do their homework on what they're trying to do. Like, are they persuading somebody about, um, let's say, you know, you want to make, you want to fight for more space for your team to have a space because your office, you have grown the office and you need to make sure that, you're, you might not have enough time to prepare, but what you need to do is just look at the facts. Like maybe you can find some some data that shows, you know, do some research about how many people could actually be in an office space. Like what's what's feasible, how your office has grown tremendously and, you know, show those numbers and be able to project the message so that you could persuade. Like this is why we need a more funding for a larger space because you, let's say you have more enrollment coming into, um, you know, you have more clients, more people that are coming into the facility. You, this is, this is not acceptable that you have, you know, five people in one room. Like this is, this is not going to work out. So you definitely, you want to make sure that when you're, you're looking at strategies that you can focus on the, the pieces that you want to portray, like your takeaway messages and then you want to have like that call to action at the end, like what, you know, why this is important, how this is going to affect like personnel, the camp, the community or the organization overall. Um, and then thinking about um, sustainability as well. So as you're talking to your audience and make sure that your supervisor can review the your presentation that you only had eight hours to make. Um, and you're presenting the next day so that they know that you're dedicated and that they're on the same page, that this is not like, oh, I've never seen this before in my life. Just as a FYI, it's always the best practice to do. And just, you know, be effective in your message and strategize on delivering like what you need to do because like this is an, you're, you're persuading them for more space and a need. Casey? 
Oh my god, Jasmine! Just listening to your your level of preparation, I'm getting anxious just to listen. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm, like I'm gonna be effective. Oh my god, <laughs> that's awesome! I love the way you think because you're very you you know, you're very a uh, clear cut. You know this this this. I mm-hmm. guess for mine, it could be for me. It's just breathing and telling yourself that you are enough, and just like just telling yourself over and over, you're enough. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. I love you. You are enough. And you know, surprisingly. It really helps me a lot because when I come to a meeting, I'm like, you all can suck it because I am enough and I'm going to do me. And then I end up doing a, an amazing presentation. So as it just, it's like, you like, as we mentioned this earlier, you already know the topic that you're talking about. The fear is the, the ability of not able to communicate that. But the moment where you accept yourself and you know that you are, you do your best you can and, you know, you're enough and just, it, it makes it easier. And, I don't think, like like most of life, things should be easy like that. It shouldn't be that hard. So I would say meditate and tell yourself that you are enough. For me, I think it's a little different than Casey's strategy. I would recommend that you kick yourself around before the presentation. So when you are about to give a presentation, you get extremely nervous. And then usually when you're up there on the stage, that's when your nerves start to come down. Once you're up there and you realize that everything's okay and that there was nothing to be afraid of in the first place. So by kicking yourself around, I mean, go out there and interact with random people like casually. You know what I mean? So if you're nervous about this presentation that you have up ahead, Kick yourself around and go outside and ask a bunch of random people, excuse me, what time is it? Or, hey, what, where is um, Walmart or whatever? And then just interact with random people like that so that you can kind of have these little micro nerves that come and go. And then when you go to present, you won't be so uh, fearful. And then I also recommend always to put a mint, a very strong mint in your mouth before giving a presentation it opens the sinuses and you can speak a little easier and also holding something in your hand usually something that makes sense to hold in your hand like a pen uh, i think has always been helpful to me in terms of being able to just squeeze it and feel it you channel kind of the the nerves into that pen that way although in toastmasters they would tell you to not hold the pen or anything like that so that you can get accustomed to it or that sometimes for people who nitpick they might find it um, distracting that you are holding a pen but it's helped me in all of my presentations and sometimes if you're giving a presentation with a clicker you have you have the thing in your hand anyway so you don't really need anything else so i would recommend that hold something in your hand kick yourself around and put a mint in your mouth I can imagine you, Carl. You are nothing! Make it work! Make it work! <laughs> Throw the pen. <laughs> You're not listening over there. <laughs> Engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, from my end, if you already did all the prep work, you did all the practice, you kind of, you know your stuff and you know the content because you wouldn't be presenting it if whoever put you in that spot thought you couldn't do it. So... It's a mix of what Casey and Carl are saying, but you stressed yourself out, you kicked yourself around, and now you're at the point where you just got to go in and you got to do what you got to do and take every experience from a presentation as a learning experience, even if you feel like you're the best presenter in the world. 
because everyone could use a little improvement and then figure out what you can do to engage the audience. Just remember that it's about them. It's not about you. So at the end of the day, you don't need to worry as much because you're really trying to get them to understand what you're trying to say. And by doing that, you just have to be yourself because you can tell when people are fake. <laughs> yep. Excellent. And now we'd like to turn to our listeners. What do you all think? Are you afraid of public speaking? Are there any topics you'd like to hear on the show? Make sure to send us your thoughts at info@ologyresearchgroup.org and also follow us on Twitter at Twitter handle Ology Research. Thanks for tuning in and until next week. Thank you.